Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and my name is Austin Parr. I am co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive, hosting for Terry this week while he's up in Minnesota. But right now, we're going to go to the phones and talk about some more fall fishing opportunities with Nate Zelensky with Tightline Outdoors. Nate, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you? Doing excellent. Well, it's kind of a tough time of year this year, where, or in any time this, this year, where we're talking about uh, you know great hunting opportunities and, and trying not to get distracted away from these great fall fishing opportunities as well. I totally understand, man. It's uh, it's that whirlwind time of year, and actually, I uh, I am just walking into the Off Grid Expo, uh, a really kind of cool and different show uh, down here at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. Today is actually one of my first days not in the field. I'll actually go out this evening. Uh, I have a good friend with a moose tag, but uh, today is uh, the first day that I slept in past two thirty a.m. in about the last one hundred and fifty days. So uh, very very exciting. Get a little sleep in, a little rejuvenate, and uh, be back after it again uh, this evening well if anybody knows about early mornings it's certainly yourself so um <laughs> what are you seeing out there on the water right now as far as some uh, good fall fishing opportunities particularly up in the mountains absolutely you know it's that time of year you know we, we keep kind of just talking about how all the, the multiple opportunities but we're in that break on the elk season so it's definitely that time to fish um and i would say that we are easing into our fall temperatures um every year's different you know there's times when we are very cold right now and it is like full blown this time of year i'd say we're, we're slowly easing into our mountain temperatures same thing on the front range it's been a very nice ease into those temperatures which is good uh it brings in some some great fishing um so you know your your temperatures in the mornings up in your south park lakes where we're spending a ton of time you know you're in the the mid to upper 20s as far as, you know, air temperature, water temperatures are holding right around that 54 to 57, uh, which is bringing on good fishing. Now, I will say we have some, some great weather. It's poor weather, but it's great for the conditions on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Week. South Park's only going to hit a high of like 32, uh, you know, dropping into single digits at nights up there. Uh, front range, the same thing. I think it's a high of like 36 in the Denver Metro. Um, so that is going to push us right where we like to be. Um, if you're an angler, we, or at least myself as a guide and angler, I thrive on that 55 degree mark and that's the surface temperature thing. Um, and that honestly is about everywhere where I fish. So mountain lakes, front range lakes, that is a master temperature um, that is really going to relate to doing everything as far as our fish and our bait fish. Um, so spinning right now, Seven Mile, Terriol, Intero, um, all those lakes, the North Park lakes, we're all hovering right at that 55-degree mark. Once we really drop into that, when we start hitting those 53-degree temperatures, that is where everything is really going to cut loose. Uh, that's our main temperature for where we get a turnover. Uh, Spinney had a major temperature change and turnover on Monday of last week. Um, I would say the water is still a little dirty. Uh, I would say the fish are in a little bit of a scattered place this week. We're still catching a lot of fish, but I wouldn't say it's ideal. Uh, but really, probably today, tomorrow is when that those fisheries up there, the North Park fisheries, are going to recover from that turnover, ter- you know, recover from that temperature change. Um, fishing should be absolutely incredible. Um, with that, you're going to see some fish moving shallower, uh, and you're going to see that overall activity 
activity level drastically increased. So right now we're catching a ton of fish again at Spinney, 11 Mile, and Terriol. Uh, but that is going to get better in the coming days. Uh, as far as how we're catching those fish, we haven't lost our weeds yet. Because, again, that happens at that magic 55-degree mark. Uh, so the second our weeds fall, it's going to bring on a trolling bite and a big swim bait bite. Right now, we still have a ton of weeds. So for pike, we're fishing a lot of spinner baits. Uh, simply for the fact that we can fish those right over the tops of those weeds. And as we hit those weeds, they stay fairly weedless. So we still sure. fish with a, a very capable pattern. Uh, as we're you know, throwing those big uh, swim baits and things like that right now, you hit those weeds, and that cast is obviously done. You spend a lot of time with, with kind of foul baits. So spinner baits right now, but in the coming days, those weeds are going to collapse once that water really holds below that 55-degree mark. And the second those weeds collapse, uh, we're trolling swim baits, casting swim baits. Uh, it's all about that big profile, 8- to 12-inch baits, um, fishing a lot of rainbow trout patterns, fishing a lot of perch patterns. Um, and that's going to be the tricks to catching those giant pike right now. Um, and then on the trout side of things, up in those same areas, uh, we basically break it down to two patterns. We're fishing a lot of spoons. Obviously, we spend a lot of time in your store purchasing our Tasmanian oh, yeah. pebbles. Uh, so we fish a lot of tazes this time of year. And then we also swim a ton of plastics. Um, and that's kind of a technique that Will Dykstra developed and really kind of honed in. But we're taking, you know, two and a half to four inch tube jigs, and we're literally swimming them a foot to two foot below the surface um, in some crazy reaction type motions. Um, so ton of action, a lot of twitches, a lot of jerks, um, just a lot of action on those tube jigs and just swimming them subsurface. Um, and again, the more kind of crazy that that tube swims, the, the more fish you catch. Um, with that being said, on most of the lakes, you can use any tube jig that you want to. At Spinney, you're, you're kind of, you know, controlled by the no salt, no scent thing. Um, so you're looking for, for beats that are, are very neutral uh, to be a legal pattern up there. So make sure you do kind of keep that uh, in mind as you're planning for that trip. But between the Tazas and, uh, and, the, and swimming the tubes, uh, at Spinney, at Antero, at your Delaney's, um, those are the two presentations that you cannot go wrong with. Uh, so that's kind of the, the big trick to the, the big pike and the big trout where we're sitting right now. You ever put any stinger hooks on those tube jigs? That's certainly a technique I've done, and, and incorporating a little stinger on the back a lot of times, in my opinion, seems to, to get a few extra bites, a few extra, a few extra catches. You know, so far where we're at right now, I'd say it depends on the fishery. Sure. Um, we're getting a few missed fish here and there at Antero, but it's usually those smaller fish and more of those browns. Uh, I would say that are, that are really, you know, honing in and trying to take the bait very, you know, particularly. Um, I would say that right now at Spinney, uh, our biggest fish last week was just a little over 10 pounds. Uh, but I would say the average fish at Spinney is, you know, say 20 inches to 24 inches. So it's like a three and three quarter pound fish to about a six pound fish. Um, and I would say right now at Spinney, we're spending most of our time, I would say those fish dang near ripping the rod out of our hand when they take it. So um, at Spinney, I would say a stinger is not necessary because they are crushing it. Um, I mean, it, it's almost embarrassing how hard <laughs> these fish are hitting these tube jigs. Um, so there I would say not. But if you are getting in that situation, especially if you get like a cold front on Thursday where it might, you know, make those fish it's a little bit more particular, a stinger would definitely help. Uh, but at Spinney, it's, uh, it, it is game on when they're hitting those tubes uh, for dang sure. But you want to talk about a fish where – we don't necessarily use a stinger, but switching gears, 
Um, the front range walleye bite is going strong. We had our league night on Wednesday. Uh, we're was unbelievably happy with how many fish were caught uh, at league night on Wednesday. Um, so we're starting to spend a lot of time in the front range for walleye. Um, and right now at Chatfield, with the lack of shade, obviously there's a lot of techniques to catching fish. Oh, yeah. uh, but as these water temperatures drop on Thursday, it's going to bring us into a very traditional pattern. So I think we're going to lose a lot of this widespread bite and i think it's going to bring us back to the very traditional jigging wrap blade bait jigging spoon fall bite that i think that we're used to and with that being said that is a a technique where you get a lot of short strikes and a lot of Big missed time. fish oh yeah uh, but regardless if you're on top of that game i really anticipate uh, an incredible fall bite starting here you know after thursday on the front range i completely agree and you know i talked to a couple of people that fished your league and, and they had a great time out there and, and are you going to continue that uh going along this fall we will so it will not be this coming wednesday it'll be the following so it's every other wednesday and uh yeah we had a great turnout i think uh DJ Williams won the walleye event this last week. I think he took home three hundred and thirty-six dollars cash with a walleye win. Uh, the bass win was was over two hundred dollars cash. Uh, so yeah, we had a great turnout. So as long as we keep getting the turnout and uh, the anglers are, are wanting to fish it, we'll keep providing it for them. So yeah, so that league is not this coming Wednesday, but the following. Uh, and yeah, as long as uh, as long as the weather and everything holds, we'll uh, we'll continue that going. But again, I think it's exciting that we'll do that as the fall bite. Uh, gets better and better Absolutely. again. It, it's normally by now we're you know we're very seasonal with that. Uh, but once that water temperature drops a little more, we're going to start really really seeing those fish increase. And you know everybody knows I, I, I do a lot of smallmouth fishing, but I wouldn't say by any means it's my forte. Uh, but same thing with that temperature change. Obviously, we're still very warm with our water in the front range. But once that water hits that same that magic 55 degrees on the front range, um, that's when you drastically see the smallmouth switch from feeding on crawdads and feeding on a, on a widespread food source, and those bass switch to a shad-based bite, just like a walleye would. So the second that water hits that 55-degree mark, you see those bass abandon the shoreline where they're feeding on crawdads and feeding on everything else in their diet, and you see them retract to deeper water where they sit on deep-water humps and deep-water structure to feed on shad, much like a walleye. At that point in time, you could actually use your graph, use your electronics, and you can just seek out those 15 to 18, 15 to 19 inch bass. You can lose the little bucks. You can lose all those little fish. You know, you can drop shot, you can spoon them. And that's when we really start seeing some giant fish. So I'm hoping we see that sooner than later. So for league night, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of 15, 16 inch fish take the win. I can't wait till we're starting to see those big 18, 19 taking the win. So really excited about that. Again, I think Thursday with that cold temp, it's exactly what, uh, what we'd love to see here on the front range for the, for the walleye and the bass bite. Oh, yeah. And for people who aren't familiar with the league, basically it's a, a one-night, just a couple-hour tournament event, real friendly competition, but you can go out in one of your buddy's boats or your boat and go in and compete for whatever species you're wanting to compete, and even multiple species. Isn't, isn't that correct? That's it. So it's $20 yeah. per angler per species. So we have options of walleye, bass, and carp. Uh, we basically meet in the, the north boat dock at Chatfield um, any time between 3 and 4 p.m. The event starts at 4 p.m., and we fish until dark. So we'll tell you that night uh, what time we're shutting down. I believe the following Wednesday, I think we, we fish until 7 p.m. because that's when it's getting dark. Uh, we basically meet in the, the parking lot and do our award ceremony. It goes by length of fish. So the, the longest single you know, walleye 
takes the win from walleye and so on. And it depends on how many anglers. But, you know, we've been having about 25 anglers fish it. And with 25 anglers, we've paid on five spots per species. Um, and, again, you know, so it's 20 bucks per species. It all goes back to the anglers. Uh, great, great little event. And, again, I think on top of, you know, having something fun to do and winning some money, uh, it's really neat because you see other bites. So everybody's super friendly. They're talking. So if you're struggling as an angler, you can fish league, and all of a sudden you'll see what's catching fish. You'll see who's catching fish. You're going to learn a lot about the fishery. Uh, and also, we've seen so many times where we have angler and angler fishing by themselves in their boat. Now, all of a sudden, they have a group of three or four buddies that they met through league, and now they're fishing through league kind of grows your individual community of anglers and that fishing community. Uh, so, so it's a really neat thing. And you, most of this is ran through the Tightline Outdoors Facebook page if people want more information on that. Perfect. Well, Nate, we certainly appreciate it as always. And I'm always sending people on down to, uh, to get after that league night. But if someone wants to get out and do a guide trip with you in the fall, what's the best way to reach you? You know, you can go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com or Facebook. Just get a hold of us. Just search out Tightline Outdoors. Uh, a number will pop up. We would love to get you out again. We're uh, we're down to a little less than a month at Spinney for those big giant pike, big trout. Uh, so most of our mountain fisheries are down to a little, a little less than a month. Front range, we've got two months left. Uh, and then again, I am at the Off Grid Expo down here. You can Google that. Uh, I actually have a walleye seminar at 5 o'clock today. Uh, but guys, they got lots of a ton of stuff about camping, you know, and, and being off-grid. Uh, great little show. So if somebody's looking for something to do today, I'm down here all day. I have my boat with me out here today. Uh, I'll be down at the off-grid expo at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds uh, from uh, from right now until 16. Nate, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So that was Nate Zelensky with Tightline Outdoors. When we come back, we're going to talk with Kevin Gibbs. And now Kevin guides on Cherry Creek Reservoir. And we're going to talk about the finer techniques of these blade baits and these jigging wraps. Now, we, we talk about it all the time, but we're going to talk about why we're talking about this all the time uh, in this next segment coming up here. So stay tuned. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Austin Parr, co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive, filling in for Terry while hopefully he's getting some fishing done up in Minnesota this week. Um, for those of you don't, who don't know this next guest, his name's Kevin Gibbs, and he's regarded in his own circle as one of the absolute best anglers at blade baits and jigging wraps that's out there, and he's one of the best fishermen I know. Kevin, are you out there catching some fish right now? We are, we are, Austin. Uh, the bite is just really starting to begin. It's been a mid-morning bite, and uh, in the past 20 minutes, we've probably put oh, half a dozen fish in the boat. No big ones, just good, solid walleye, just fun fish. Absolutely. Well, uh, Kevin, Kevin right now is out on uh, Cherry Creek right now, but rather than talking about the, the lake itself, I want to talk about the jigging wraps and the blade baits. And I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse when I'm talking about this all the time. But my goodness, it is one of the absolute best techniques that's out there for not only this fall time, but I use it all year long, and I know you do too. I, I sure do. And uh, I have had days when the only I could catch more fish on a blade or a jigging wrap than I could on a night crawler or a live minnow. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's incredible. Yeah, and even during the, the, the bait pulling time, that sometimes can be the case. Absolutely. It sure can. So walk sure can. some of these listeners through your typical day. Say right now we're going to be in the fall. 
Um, as you're heading out on a given body of water, say it's going to be Cherry Creek, what is what is going to be your, what you're looking for as you first pull up to that boat ramp, and, and what are you starting with as far as uh, different techniques are concerned? Well, well, the first thing I'm going to look at, Austin, is I have a tremendous history out here, and I'll I'll look at history from years past. And the second thing, and I'll remember where I was catching fish, what I was catching fish, what I was catching them on, and what technique I was using, be it jigging wrap, blade bait, and each of the two baits probably have a dozen different techniques you can use individually with each one. Sure. It can be very effective at any given time. And that's what I see a lot of time with these people that I guide and you guide is you take them out, they catch a few fish, they're using one technique, they go out themselves and try it again, and they give up because sometimes you just have to let the fish tell you what they want. Sure. And and secondly, once I hit the water, I look at the wind direction. I look where the waves are going. I look for foam around the surface on the on the edges to see if the wind has blown all night. Was the wind blowing in this direction, that direction? Because most people that fish walleye know that wind direction is going to push particles to the windblown shore. The shad or bait fish will follow, and the walleyes will follow them. Absolutely, and. And find the first thing I do. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't realize is, especially on a morning with a, a lot of wind or any day with a lot of wind, there's a subsurface current even in a lake that doesn't have a lot of water that's moving through it. That that is so true in all fish. If if anyone if you're out there listening, to people, and you fish much, you know fish face into the current, and that is a presentation you need to to be aware of. I mean. These fish, they're facing into a current. It's not unlike fishing a fly in a stream for trout. They're facing upstream. Uh, be cognizant of all these things because every little thing that's put out there by nature, if you can conquer that and capture what it does to the fish and to their uh, temperament, is going to make you a better fisher. Sure. And it, it, it's just incredible. And like Austin said, we use these blade baits and jigging wraps year round yeah and i mean yeah even in january some lakes frozen we'll fish these spillways with chicken wraps and blade baits and you'd be amazed what we can catch in these these spillways behind the lakes so when you're fishing a jigging wrap or a blade bait what is your optimal action on your rod what type of line are you throwing um and what kind of weight are you throwing on some of these blades i like the number seven jigging wraps a lot for the, the jigging wraps that's a real good size but on the blade base what are you doing on rod reel line and lure weight well i like anything from a three eighths to a half ounce sometimes in the fall i'll go to the heavier blade baits um and my action my rod i'm fishing a st croix six uh six eight medium extra fast and I fish a little heavier line than most people, and it really doesn't affect my bite. Um, I'm running 20-pound Power Pro, and here's something for you people that are listening that are having trouble with casting a blade bait. Your blade bait gets hooked up into your leader. You need to get rid of that 8-pound leader and go to a 12, 15, or 20-pound. Just to add that stiffness. That heavy leader, that stiffer line, will cut your tangling with your hooks on your blade bait by 50%. Absolutely. And 
And especially in a lake that's off color, like Cherry Creek or a lot of these Eastern exactly. Plains lakes, it doesn't matter. And and going back to that leader again, it's critical, especially if someone's used to fishing braided line. Well, they might say, well, why don't I just tie straight to braid? Well, that's probably the worst thing you could do if you're fishing a, yeah. a blade bait or a jigging wrap, just because of how limp it is. Exactly, exactly. And and, and there again, too, you want a little bit of stretch. And you could get away with mono, but I use fluorocarbon. And we were out here Tuesday, and I had a... a an old friend of mine with me and, and he typically pinches his drag way down and we, we stuck a big eye and we had this fish on and, and we had it on for a minute and he's coming to the boat and I'm sitting there with the net and, and Bud had, he had his drag pinched down. That fish made a run and he's gone. Sure. And that, that's another hazard of tying straight to braid with a, uh, a blade or jigging wrap. Having just that little extra stretch can certainly help exactly. a lot. So we're exactly. almost out of time here, but I have a, a minute or, or so left here. Why don't you talk about the color of these blade baits that you're running? I know you use sometimes a little bit different color than a lot of people otherwise would utilize. Yes, I do. And, and you know, there again, too, I fish. I have a select group of people that I fish for fun with, and uh, we all will get out in the boat together. Well, one will start with one color. I'll start with another. And it's like you hear so many times, once is okay twice is great three is a pattern and if we find a color we catch three fish in a row either one of us we will go to that now the color is going to change it can change hourly when we first got out here this morning uh we caught a fish we caught two fish on blue and then we went to white and jeff caught a couple on gold sure it, it, and it goes back and forth and back and forth and i really have noticed that with cherry creek in the summer months okay now, listen to this, people, because this is a fact, and I've spent 16 years out here doing this, and this is a something I don't tell many people, but I'm going to tell it to y'all in Radio Land. From April to July, it's silver, okay? From July to August, it can be silver, it can be white. From September to October... It's generally blue or gold. Pay attention to that because Kevin is absolutely one of the absolute best fishermen out there, and that a lot of times can transfer into some some other lakes as well. But, Kevin, I certainly appreciate you calling in and talking about this. We're running out of time right here. If anybody wants to to, uh, go out with Kevin, his phone number is 303-870-0603. And as I mentioned, he is absolutely one of the best fishermen I know. And, Kevin, I certainly appreciate you coming on, and and hopefully you get out there and and stick that big one here. Uh, And hopefully this next week with this front, we'll do some more of that as well. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And, and guys, watch for – we'll put pictures up on Facebook, and we'll have a, a, a number directly to Discount Tackle where you can book trips with Austin, myself, or one of the other guys down at the shop. And uh, love to have you. And right now is a great time for a big fish. I know that between Austin and I, we had five really big fish, big world-class eyes last fall. Kevin, I so cert- give us a call. We certainly, we certainly appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, right now, we're uh, going to be going to J.R. Pierce with Colorado Clays, and we're going to be back. Uh, right now, you're listening to Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan and Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. This is Austin Parr with Discount Fishing Tackle, filling in for Terry Wickstrom this Saturday. 
And right now we're going to go right to the phones and talk with J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. J.R., how are you? Good morning, Austin. Nice talking to you again. Absolutely. Well, along with some of the the shooting sports that we're going to talk about here in a minute, man, I've been seeing some nice fish that you've been catching out there northeast. Well, I'll tell you, Austin, uh, I know you catch lots of fish and good fish all year, but out here, myself and the locals are finally starting to see some of those bigger fish that um, are harder to catch during the summer. They're easier to catch now, and we are really excited for this fall bite. That's fantastic. Well, as are we, and and we're kind of in that tough time of year where we're transitioning between, man, do I get out hunting and shooting, or do I get out there and, and go fishing? But, you know, if you're going to get out there and be a serious hunter, you really do need to, to get out shooting, and it sounded like you certainly were busy yesterday, and some folks were taking advantage of that piece of advice. Absolutely, Austin. And let me tell you, in case anybody doesn't know, um, let's just take a moment here and just remind everyone that Colorado Clays, you know, we are still uh, Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we feature the very finest in rifle, pistols, trap, skeet, wobble trap, and sporting clay shooting uh, for anyone. Uh, we're open to the public, so we're available for anyone. We always welcome everyone, whether you're an individual person or possibly even a group of hundreds of people to come out and enjoy our facility and achieve your shooting goals, uh, whether it's just for the simple enjoyment of shooting, uh, competitive opportunities, friends and family, or perhaps one of those big corporate or fundraising events of really any size. Um, All our ranges, fields, and courses are state-of-the-art. We're handicapped accessible. Of course, we're staffed by the best people in the industry. Open year-round. And we've been serving Colorado outdoors when, and women for almost 23 years now. And like you were saying, though, Austin, now I'm really starting to see these folks coming out to prepare themselves and their equipment for the upcoming uh, big game, small game, upland bird and waterfowl season. So it is a pleasure. Absolutely. And, and it's so important, especially when you're talking about rifle shooting and, and big game hunting, to make sure you're your rifle is is on target. You know, you always hear about these horror stories of someone thinking that their gun's on target and they foresighted it or or did something like that and didn't actually go out and and pattern that gun and even if your gun you think it's sighted in, making sure that it's it's continually not knocked off for that season is just so critically important not only for your success but to really truly be an ethical hunter. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, one of the best tools at everyone's um, disposal right now is the Colorado Clay Sighting Clinics, that Sunday morning 7.30 to 9 clinic, because you will be with the professionals and you will be one-on-one. You will get that manual bore sight. You'll get the description of MOA, and you'll have targets from 50 to 100 yards. You will leave there confident in yourself and your equipment. So uh, definitely give us a call on that. And if not, you know, you just need a few shots or you're going to tune it up. Uh, there's no better uh, NRF-approved state-of-the-art range than Colorado Clays. Uh, again, having that 50- and 100-yard uh, target availability, we have that uh, telephoto camera on the target, monitor in the bay uh, system, so you do your sight in in real time. Take your shot, look at the monitor, see where you need to go, and you can dial a rifle in in no time flat. So we really have the best of the best there, and I encourage everyone to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And and as with anything, hunting or fishing, sometimes the weekends can be a little bit challenging um, to get out there and not have crowds. But you're open during the week as well, aren't you? Absolutely. We're open every day but Tuesdays, uh, 9 to 5. So 
certainly available to pretty much anyone. Sure. So if you want to get out there and, and maybe have a few less people out on the range, maybe go out and check out and check them out on the, the, the weekdays as well. So now along with the, the rifle shooting, you mentioned that you've got all your, your trap and wobble trap and sporting clays and everything like that. Now, it's just as important for a wing shooter, whether you're an upland person or, or wanting to go out and target some, some waterfowl here for the, the next whole part of the season with the season just opening uh, today on the mountain foothill zone. Um, but you have all that down there as well, don't you? Absolutely. And Austin, I'm glad you brought that up. And particularly these upland bird hunters, that wobble trap is the best tool available. It is a ground level trap. So obviously the launches are coming from the same place the birds do. Uh, That machine moves left to right, up and down randomly and simultaneously. So each target launch is a unique trajectory and really a great representation of upland bird flushes. And then, of course, being on our skeet field, you can literally position yourself at countless different locations relative to the trap for the perfect upland practice. Yeah, and it's, you uh, know, trap is always a a good thing, just conventional trap to just get you on. But, you know, when you only have just a a few different angles that you're you're focusing on, those pheasants can get up in any different direction and especially quail. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story here too, uh, Austin. This is really neat. I'm talking about folks coming out, and uh, you know, obviously we have the upland practice covered. But a couple guys showed up a couple days ago. They had bought a new choke for their uh, for their duck hunt coming up. Oh yeah. And here's another tool, Colorado clays. Uh, they got with me. We went out, patterned that new choke just so they knew what it was like. And then we went down to the sporting clays course, and we found presentations that simulated the type of jump shooting and angles they thought they were going to be using and i'll tell you what those guys came out in their hunting gear with their hunting guns and left uh ready to go and this is available to everyone our courses you can always work on the shots you need to work on and uh, it's just a priceless tool. Yeah, and patterning a gun is really just such an important thing because not only can you, you know, if someone's changing ammunition, they're they're changing velocities, you know, maybe they're just going for what's cheap or, or they're buying high-end stuff, making sure you know how that is patterning out of a shotgun and the specific choke tube that you're using is critical, and especially with some of these really high-end guns um, that are offering all the different shim kits on it so that you can adjust and and change and make sure that you're actually shooting flat or you know where that shotgun's going to be hitting. So you know if you need to float a bird or you know if you need to black one out that's coming in. I mean, that's critical to get out there and, and sight that gun in, whether you're rifle shooting or patterning a shotgun. And that's so true, Austin. Uh, the very first thing a person needs to have confidence in is that he is shooting where he is looking, pointing or aiming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that pattern area with ranges, you know, 20 to 50 yards, uh, choosing chokes, trying different loads, because uh, honestly, and I have found this, I think uh, maybe you caught my turkey segment this spring, different chokes, different guns and loads uh, will pattern with different densities. Some of them oh, yeah. uh, will have you know, flyers that other ones don't, uh, consistent densities. So there is so much to be learned with a couple shots on the pattern board. And just give me a call. We'll set up an appointment. That's the easiest. It's only 10 bucks. And that there is where a person really needs to start. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one before we go, we only have a, a minute or so left here. Uh, do you guys offer coaching for some of the wing shooting as well down there? Any classes on any of that kind of stuff at all? Absolutely. We do have introduction to shotgun clinics, so some of the beginners. 
And also, most of our staff are instructors. So uh, simply give us a call. Uh, we'll find the one that suits you the best. So we have uh, coaches specific to certain games and types of shooting, whether it's pistol, rifle, perhaps skeet sporting clays, or all of the above. And we can certainly set up an appointment, match you with the right person, and uh, get you going on the right track. That sounds fantastic, JR. So if people aren't familiar with you, where are you located and how can they get a hold of you? Well, coloradoclays.com. Certainly take the virtual tour to see what we're all about. Uh, We're located just north of DIA, east of Brighton. We're a very short drive from anywhere in the metro area. And you can always give us a call, 303-659-7117. Thank you so much for calling in, Jr. And, and I can't recommend you guys enough out there. Um, anyone that's looking to, to sight your gun in, whether it's a shotgun or a rifle, make sure to give Colorado Clays a call. Jr. thanks so much once again. Thanks, Austin. Absolutely. So when we come back, I'm going to give everyone a rundown of some of the various fly fishing opportunities. So we've talked about conventional fishing. We've talked about wing shooting and shotgunning and, and rifle shooting. But fly fishing in the fall is one of the absolute best things to do during this time of year. So when we come back, I'm going to give you a rundown of all of that. Once again, this is Austin Parr filling in for Terry Wickstrom on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. And my name is Austin Parr, co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle, filling in for Terry Wickstrom this week. And as I mentioned before the break, we've gone through a whole array of different opportunities for the fall, whether it be fall fishing for walleyes or, or trout in South Park, shooting ducks or, or geese coming up here starting off this weekend, or even big game hunting. But the one thing we have not really covered much is is fly fishing, and that's always something that, that in this region, it's it really is, is king in a lot of ways. And down at Discount Fishing Tackle, not only do we have a fantastic selection of regional walleye and trout tackle, including huge selections of Salmo Hornets, Jigs, all your different spoons and spinners, and the best selection of Tasmanian Devils in the West. But we also have an absolutely insanely large fly fishing and and fly tying selection. And I I focus on a lot of it throughout the year. And although I don't really guide uh, with it, like I guide for walleyes and, and smallmouth bass, Fly fishing is is at the core one of my absolute favorite things to do, and and particularly in the fall here, we have so many great opportunities to go out and and take advantage of. So I'm going to kind of give everyone a a breakdown throughout the different drainages in the state, and starting off certainly in in the South Platte, it's one of the the best drainages in the state as far as as fishing is concerned, and and certainly it takes some pressure, but there are a lot of fish in the South Platte River, uh, in the South Platte River drainage. So starting with 11-mile canyon right here. So that particular stretch uh, is below 11-mile reservoir and is flowing 76 cubic feet per second. Now, in 11-mile canyon, that is a a river that is famous for small flies, as a lot of the South Platte is. But small jujubatis and RS2s uh, being some of your your betis nymphs and emergers, your blueing olives, also moving through some of your midges, such as a, a black beauty emerger, um, some of your jujube midges in there, and as well as your mercury midges, all are going to fish well. But the key to 11 Mile Canyon is fishing small flies and small tippets. So trying to be as much of a minimalist as you can in there. Those fish are very pressured. And not only does that small tippet get um, down a little bit better in the holes, it sinks faster, but it also obviously is, is disappearing better. And with that tippet, I'm always going to be utilizing 
fluorocarbon rather than monofilament when you're dealing with your, your tippet. And that fluorocarbon refracts light in nearly the same way that water does. So it will almost completely disappear underneath the water and therefore give you a much better chance for those fish not seeing your line. But also not having a bright indicator or heavy split shot that's super bright is all key. So I like using camouflage split shots as well as indicators that are going to be more of your clear or white tones. Now, as we move through the fall here and particularly getting some cloud cover and colder weather this week, uh, some of your dry fly presentations, such as your bluing dollop hatches coming off, are going to start to, to turn on and certainly having some dries in your box in 11 Mile Canyon is going to be critical. Moving down a bit, Cheeseman Canyon um, is flowing at 108 CFS, and Deckers is very similar moving down from there. Now, Cheeseman is going in nearly the same way that 11 Mile Canyon is right now, where the, the betas haven't quite started hatching yet, but using some of your betas nymphs like a Juju betas or a BTS nymph from Solitude Fly Company can really be productive down there. But your midges are always prolific throughout that stretch. So some of your same midges that you'd be using up in 11 Mile, Cheeseman will also work well. So some of your flashbang midges, mercury midges, as, as stated before, or even as simple as, as some zebra midges. Now, in that stretch, uh, as with all of these, uh, conventional fishing certainly can be productive as well. So maybe try some, some jigs in some of those stretches. And the other thing to not overlook in Cheeseman Canyon over the next few weeks are some egg patterns. So the, the browns haven't started spawning very heavily quite yet, but that will be coming up here very soon. So moving back up the drainage uh, to the dream stream, that's flowing 75 CFS. And I'm sure some of you have heard uh, there was a, a pretty good flood that happened up there, a flash flood actually, uh, that was about you know a month or so ago. And it really did affect the river. It, it killed off a, a whole number of fish up there. Um, so a lot of your resident fish are not nearly as prolific in there as, as they were before that flood. However, it will recover. It's a, a very healthy river with a, a lot of insect life. But uh, the spawn is just starting to happen right now. So going up, uh, you're starting to see a few kokanee salmon that are moving up right there. And some of your best patterns for kokanee salmon are purple, red, and pink San Juan worms, as well as the uh, egg flies that I mentioned before. And with both of those techniques, you certainly can catch some of your lake run browns that haven't quite showed up yet, but a good cold snap is, is going to be moving up in there. Another thing I really want to mention as we're talking about some of these spawning runs right now is certainly making sure to... to remain ethical and 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 thought thoughtful when you're you're fishing to these fish so a lot of these brown trout in particular uh these these reservoirs and in these ecosystems rely on on natural spawning to take place for these brown trout to continue to be having strong populations so definitely making sure you're not walking over their reds or in other terms their spawning beds and then certainly being mindful of other anglers fishing not pushing people too much um, you know, fishing below people rather than above, all of which are going to be uh, good things to, to consider when you're fishing places like the Dreamstream. Shifting a bit, uh, heading down toward the Arkansas River at, at Buena Vista, that's flowing a little bit stronger at 210 CFS. Um, and that particular stretch, some of the larger nymphs are working pretty well right now. So moving into some of your more orange and rusty colored October caddis have been very productive on a subsurface level, but also uh, a few stonefly nymphs, such as some Tungsten, Golden Stonefly Nymphs, and Pat's Rubber Legs are all fishing well. And off of those larger nymphs, I'm going to trail a smaller one, such as a little Betis. So going back to that Juju Betis, that can be really, really good. But then there's also a fairly new one that's a Juan Ramirez tie. It's tied by Montana Fly Company that's called a Slim Shady. And that small Betis is, is a very, very good pattern to, to consider throwing down there. 
down toward the Colorado a bit at Kremling. Uh, it's flowing at 1170 CFS, so much bigger, and a lot of people are still floating that stretch right now. And as you move down, the flows will increase as you get down toward um, Rio, Rancho, and, and Dot Cerro. But the, the, the floating has been fantastic in there, and the streamer action is really starting to turn on. So some of your more articulated patterns, such as your double gongas, have been very productive down there. But then also, before this freeze, you may get a tail end of a little bit of hopper action left this week, but it's going to be ending very quickly. But certainly something to maybe put a larger nymph like a stonefly, like a patch rubber legs, or a 20-inch stone down below can be productive. And we'll start seeing some betas hatches, as well as the spawn starting to materialize. So downsizing your flies and maybe adding an egg or two over the next few weeks is going to certainly help. This time of year, the eagle is one of my favorites to fish, and that particular river is flowing at 188 CFS um, at Walcott. And indicator rigs have certainly been best down there. There haven't been a lot of hatches that have been coming off, but some of your October caddis nymphs have been good, once again moving into some of the rusty patterns, as well as having uh, a few of your buckskin caddis nymphs. Those are, are very productive. And then betas in there are also very good. And then one of my favorite specific patterns for the eagle on that stretch is a 20-incher stone. And that's tied with a lot of natural materials, such as peacock curl. doesn't have much flash, very uh, neutral, and that pattern can be very, very productive uh, throughout that stretch. And and the Eagle has fantastic fishing all the way down from the confluence with the Colorado all the way up toward Minturn. And as you get up higher, the flow certainly decrease significantly. So you'll be using less of your indicator rigs and more of your dry dropper rigs as you move up. But that's certainly something to consider uh, with great access all the way up and down. In the same drainage, but moving down toward the frying pan, the frying pan river is flowing at 222 CFS and has been very productive lately. Um, however, still some crowded uh, aspects, certainly, even with the fall coming on. But if you're fishing that main upper stretch, if you can get up there on a weekday, that's going to be the best. But that is a mycy shrimp fishery. So going with a lead mycy shrimp and then trailing down with some various betas patterns down below are productive. But that upper stretch also, as like I mentioned with all of these other ones, you can catch fish conventionally up there on, on various uh, hair jigs as well. Um, but as you move lower on the frying pan, you have opportunities at some dry flies as well as some less crowds. So if the upper stretch is, is not suiting your fancy with, with good fish or, or too many crowds, moving downstream is definitely going to be something to, to consider. Uh, one thing to note on the Colorado River drainage uh, is the Williams Fork. So that particular river is is one that a lot of people kind of uh, think about a lot of a good brown spawn coming up in there. And, and although that that probably will happen this year, uh, Parks and Wildlife is currently doing a, a pretty uh, expansive stream restoration project up there, which is adding quite a bit of silt and sediment into the river. So if you're not looking to, to have a lot of silt or sediment in there or you're looking to sight fish, um, you know, I would probably not do the Williams Fork so much and maybe consider some some other bodies of water. So moving down toward the Gunnison, uh, the upper stretch at the Taylor is flowing 296 CFS, and it's also a mycy shrimp fishery up there. There's good solid populations of, of extremely large rainbows as well as uh, a growing population of brown trout. And so the, the, the browns are going to be spawning coming up, particularly with that cold water, and they may already be doing that at the moment. But a lead mycy shrimp with a trailing egg or, once again, small betis down in those size 20s and 22s, more of your black colors are going to be super, super prolific up there on the Taylor. And then the Gunnison, that has been something that has a lot of people are asking about, particularly down at the store, and it's currently flowing 425 CFS um, in downtown Gunnison. 
And that that's a fantastic flow up there. And the, the kokanee salmon run has been going very strong now for a couple of weeks. And they're still up there quite heavily. So with those kokanee salmon, they'll get in these big, deep holes. And keep in mind, the Gunnison River is one of the stretches that CPW is actually netting the salmon as they move up toward the East River and going to the Roaring Judy fish hatchery. And the salmon population in the state is largely relying upon that particular population. So certainly treating those salmon with respect and, and um, you know, making sure to get them back in the water is, is critical just due to the fact, you know, you can't snag them and, and you're not keeping a lot of those fish up in there at all. So, but as you're fishing that, um, you know, going some of your egg patterns are really productive. Chartreuse eggs in particular have been very good. And then sparkle San Juan worms are also going to be a very, very good bet. Brown trout are also coming. So before we go, I want to just slide up into North Park here really quick. Up into North Park, you're not dealing with as good of river fishing as some of the other places. However, the North Platte has been fair but as you move into the Delaney Buttes, the brown trout have been coming in very strong, and that's something I would certainly recommend. But once again, my name is Austin Parr, and I uh, am a co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle down on South Santa Fe Drive. I certainly appreciate uh, Terry letting me host and everyone listening in today. I hope everyone found this information useful. And if anyone else has any questions on any of this information talked about, I'm down at the store all the time. Our address is 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. Phone number 303-698-2550. Once again, you've been listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and be sure to tune in next week as Terry will fill you in on all the great fishing opportunities as we move through the fall. Thank you once again, and have a great day.